Did you see that I got a massive update on my Kindle this week? Like my scribe that I mentioned a few oh, weeks ago. Oh, it's got like annotation features or something. Is that right? Uh, it's got landscape support for reading. <laughs> it's got two column landscape orientation now, which is a thing that's on like Kindle for iPhone and Mac and probably every other Kindle. But it, and any other reader that's ever existed. Yeah, yeah. It it came in an update to the Kindle Scribe this week, and it's also got like some other things. Like it's got some stuff for Word documents and stuff I don't really care about. But um, adding an, a new orientation to it was kind of cool. And then I was like, I jokingly tweeted, and I was like, "Your move, Apple." Like you know. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So that's a thing. But more interesting, like to me, was the the software update process. Um, I think it was kind of like the Air- AirPods method, where it's like rolling out over time. Or like check check periodically for the update to be available, or unlike AirPods, you could um, you, you could download the software online, connect it to your Mac, view the Kindle as like a external drive disk, put the software in in uh, on the Kindle. Do, do you have to reboot both like the studio display? <laughs> o- open the uh, unmount the Kindle, go to the settings app. Oh my! Click God. software oh my. update, and then it will see it on the device. Yeah. And you don't have to oh, wait the like you know nice. un- unknown amount of time. So <laughs> that is, uh... yeah. I don't know if I, I when I first mentioned on the podcast like a m- month or so ago. Um, I'm not sure if I'd use the pen at all. And I, I learned more about it. Like apparently there's three storage tiers: 16, 32, and 64. And I got 32, which comes. There's two pens: pen and advanced pen. And advanced pen has the button and eraser, and that's what I have. I just thought I was buying like the thing like there wasn't all these options so uh, you got the fancy pen yeah and um i i, I thought even the apple pencil doesn't have an eraser on the other end of it right well it's not an advanced apple pencil so that's that's the issue um it i, I learned more about it i was like what if this pen stylus will work with the ipad and the answer is no not at all like not for anything and i was curious because like it doesn't charge doesn't have a battery per se but it's uh it's like a wacom pen it's like a it's a classification of it like w3 or something like it's always it's a wacom pen um but mm. they don't use all of the wacom tablet features like there's some granularity that they don't use that they could that people think is for like finer writing precision and versus more drawing artist features but um yeah learn, learn more about it and still have you been have you been using it since yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay yep. just to read stuff generally uh yeah, I'm I'm a slow reader, so I'm on chapter ten of a book I've been reading the whole time I've owned this thing. But and I, now you can see two pages at once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's two pages; it might just be a page divided in two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when when you do that, like you know, Kindles have like the fat side that you hold. Um, when you do that, you know, it's either the fat side is on top or bottom. I mean, when it's on the bottom, it's like a little IMAX screen. You know, with the chin. Mm, yeah, you got a little chin. Yeah, but I don't. I don't use well, that. I don't use that method because the rest of the user interface is not in, in uh, landscape orientation. So then you're like going from book to UI and like you know shifting it around. Well, look, you got to get in the use of the Kindle Scribe while you can because <laughs> in June it's going to be superseded by the augmented reality books. Oh yeah, on the Apple headset. Remember from last week? Yeah, yeah. Be on a background of sunset or rain or in the sky or whatever it said, well, and you can read a book. <laughs> In the comfort of the headset experience. Since then, Humane has unveiled their projector. Save us from te- human like technology <laughs> products. You can read by holding your palm up. Yeah, you hold your palm in your hand out, and you get like four four characters at a time <laughs> in like green monochrome color. Or yeah, something. as long as the lighting is right, you can do that. So, oh, yeah, yeah. good stuff. Um, let's see what do we have here. Side loading out in, in your island of the world. What, what yeah, we... at least in Europe. Okay. Depending on the legislature of Europe. So, so... Unclear if that extends to Britain or not at the moment. Not sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. But basically, um, obviously, there's been a lot of chatter about Apple building side loading features, alternative app store features, in apprehension or in preparation for the enforcement of the European Union uh, Digital Markets Act, right, which comes into effect at the end of the year. And we spoke about this when it broke, you know, like Apple was actively working on sideloading stuff to comply. But at the time, it wasn't clear whether they were going to, you know, overhaul the policy globally or if this was just going to be geographic specific features. Now, if you look at every other um, every other move that Apple's done to comply with anti-competitive legislation in the last few years about around the App Store and everything... They are very localized to certain geographies, not not exclusively. Like there was some stuff with like the um, the Japanese settlement that they agreed to do, you know, worldwide. But mostly, 
they end up just segmenting the user base to comply with the laws of the local the local region because generally they don't agree with any of these laws coming into effect uh, they don't think they should have to do them so they do them with as much um regret as possible by limiting it in scope to only the legally required you know geographic region so then you know we had the whole netherland dating apps fiasco last year which gives a specific um you know set of rules around in-app purchase for dating apps in the netherlands only and not available to other countries um etc etc this time around for the digital markets act it's more than just the netherlands it's the whole of the european union mm-hmm. um and it will allow for stuff like side loading apps so you know apps downloadable from the web and probably alternative app stores as well um apple is contesting this stuff in court and you know just generally lobbying and stuff but at least as it stands right now this comes into effect and apple has to be in compliance in order to keep selling iphones so they've obviously been engineering these features and there was even some chatter i think it was back in january a bloomberg report said that like you know apple engineers have been dedicated to making this work but even they don't want to do it because they find it you know boring or they, they feel against it but they have to do it because you know that's the business and this week um Bloomberg's Mark Gurman fired up to say that he believes indeed that these sideloading features will be exclusively for the European market and not available in the US. Um, you know, maybe eventually the US will also have regulation on, you know, quote unquote gate- gatekeepers and stuff that says that this must be allowed and then it will have to change. But at least initially, these features will um, be EU exclusive and unlikely to be a talking point on June the 5th at the WWC conference. They're just going to be stuff that's in iOS 17 and, and you know, begrudgingly enabled uh, where applicable. Might not even make that, like, summary slide. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of thing that they might not even be ready for iOS 17.0, yeah. right? Because it, it's not, you know, it's not required until the end of the year. But probably in the first betas of iOS 17, you know, people will snoop around and find evidence that, oh, yeah, this is being ready. You know, this is behind the scenes. This is ready to go. Mm-hmm. And kind of backing up the whole... Um, you know, geographic restriction uh, angle of this. Uh, Felipe Esposito, uh, our colleague 95 Mac, uh, this week did an interesting report on a system demon that he found in iOS 16 called Country D. So Country Demon, um, that's what the D means. Um, And this seems to be a more modern way for iOS to detect uh, the current region, the current user of the device where they are to be able to restrict... um, system features to those specific markets now there are plenty of things already in ios that are you know region limited a a dumb example is the apple card right like i'm in the i'm in the uk i can't even see the apple card you know sign up interface because it's not it doesn't make sense same with apple pay cash you know other features like that or in some countries of the world you don't get the news app etc etc but even more specific than that like the there's been regulation for a while that in the United Arab Emirates, FaceTime was disabled until it wasn't. And in China, when all the patent lawsuits were going on, they had to change the multitasking animation from swiping up to a fade to get around some Qualcomm patent. Like, so they're, they're used to doing you know region-specific things, but mostly those can be overcome by changing the region setting in settings. So you can go into settings, you can change the region of the US, and then I can you know see the Apple Card sign up interface. You can't actually do anything; it still wears out when you try and apply. But at least it you know it reveals those features. And I think over time, as Apple has needed these geographic specific conditions or like feature flags, that each individual like application has kind of just or each individual engineering team has kind of rolled their own way of doing it. So like most of them rely on the system settings. Some of them rely on the device id of the phone i.e where it was bought from like the original serial number what what region is it for some of them are you know roughly country specific some of them work on your payment method and your apple id so it's a bit like of a hodgepodge of different detection methods and i think what's happening with country d is apple's realizing that you know we have all these different conditions for every single market and so we really need like a centralized system to determine this and probably something that is harder to circumvent than just changing just than the just the user changing the region option in settings mm. so country d currently not really used for anything iOS 16 but it could very well be used for the sideloading stuff right so and um based on felipe's investigation the demon um combines multiple data sources together to get a region estimate so it combines gps location country code from the connected wi-fi router information obtained from the sim card etc etc um, but that is clearly a mechanism by which they can limit uh, the sideloading stuff uh, later in the year so you know let's say facebook can't just like make an app 
uh, in the US and release it online and say to all of its users, you know, all you have to do to install this cool app is to disable, uh, you know, change your region settings. So they want to make it harder than that. Um, so this seems to be the way that they're going to go about it. All right. As you were saying all that, I was reading the Wikipedia page for for Demon D A E M O N. Very distracting. But that's... <laughs> not not a demon is in a D E M O N. Yeah. Well, I will tell you there is root. There is root to background process program that the user is not interacting with, as in software demon and uh, Greek mythology. So. Uh, go read the Wikipedia page for a deep Well, and you remember the big fiasco, what was it, about five years ago now, where Discovery, Discovery, Discovery D, yes. yes. Yeah, Discovery that, that was demon, an actual, right? That was an actual demon, though. That was actually yeah. haunting your network. <laughs> yeah, that cool. I think even, they never came back to that. Like, I think even now they still never actually went, like, because, you know, that was a problem in terms of networking. And yeah. so they reverted to the old service, which I think is called MDNS Responder. Mm-hmm. And I believe even in the current OS versions, they never actually tried again with Discovery D. Like, it's well, still MDNS responsible. You would so at least kind of gave up on that initiative. You just at least wouldn't call it Discovery D anymore. That was the thing that would make your um, devices append, uh, in parentheses, a number after them, like, over and over and over. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> You'd get, like, Benjamin's MacBook Pro 20 yeah. you know, every single time you reconnect to the network. And it would also impact, you know, AirPlay and... Yeah, that's true. AirDrop and all those kind of Apple TV well, 67, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah, okay, so I won't do any um, side loading in my country. Maybe you will. Does that make you less secure than me? I don't know. Does that make, your, mean, does that make your your account coveted to, to mine? Like, maybe. You know. Maybe. And we still got to see what they plan to try and – because, you know, all of these EU laws let them collect commission. So mm-hmm. there's going to be all these policies where, like, you can make an app out of the app still, but you have to report earnings to us, just like the Netherlands dating app situation. So yeah. it's a big load of mess that uh, – they probably don't want to be in, but they don't really have a better option. So here we are. Yeah. So you can play what? What is it? Fortnite on on uh, Fortnite. <laughs> iPhone and iPad in the in the EU uh, only, and, and Epic Games will totally report <laughs> income. Yeah, that. Epic Games will totally tell up how much money it's uh, <laughs> yeah it's making. Yeah. Them. yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, oh, and, and I mean, yeah. if you're speaking of Epic, there was a uh-huh. uh, yeah. appeal conclusion this week that ruled mostly in Apple's favor. So Epic uh, didn't do very well on that in terms of getting back into the actual App Store on terms that they want. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. All right. Uh, headset stuff. Let's let's talk about headset stuff for a moment because Mark Herman has a new report uh, as well about the Apple headset, Reality Pro, as we'll guess we'll call it. Um, which, uh, you know, again. June fifth, WWDC keynote. Yeah, we're really close now. What yeah. a month? A month and a week? Yeah, I cannot wait just to stop talking about this in the abstract and talk about this in the in the, in the reality. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Our reality can be augmented with an actual product. Please, yes. So, uh, what's what's new this week? Uh, ports, magnets. Yeah, this is about port specifications. because yeah. obviously last week he had the big rundown, which we covered on. You know, all the app support compatibility, the iPad, you know, app situation coming to the headset, you know, experiences they're focusing on. Uh, This week, he followed up with a little information about how the charging situation works with this headset. Mm -hmm. So for a while, we've heard that the headset will require an external battery pack. Uh, That continues to be the case. So all times using the headset, you'll have like a wire trailing down that runs to a battery pack that you're probably meant to keep in your pocket. Um, German said the battery pack looks like the looks about the same size and shape as the MagSafe battery pack you have for the iPhone, um, except rather than it being you know just a magnetic rectangle, it it has an attached cable. So the cable runs from the battery pack all the way. Um, so like is a like the Apple Watch charging dock, right? Like the, the Apple Watch puck. It's the little puck and it has a cable attached to it. So this is the battery pack and it has a cable. The end of the cable is magnetic according to german and it snaps into a port on the headset itself that you kind of it's like a circular round port it's described as that you put the cable into and you rotate to lock into place so it's it's a magnetic attachment but it has like a rotational locking mechanism so you know you don't have to worry about if you particularly you know waving wailing your hands around in vr uh, it's not going to pop out um he says the external battery pack will provide about two hours of battery life which is not very long, so it's I don't almost know the a movie. I... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if they're like conceptually thinking where you're only going to use it for two hours a day, or they're thinking where you're just going to carry multiple battery, battery packs around with you. Um, neither of those outcomes feel particularly great, but again, 
you know, there's all the usual disclaimers of this being a first generation product that's going to be of niche value, almost proving the concept rather than being a mass market thing. So here we are. And um, Gurman also mentioned that he doesn't expect the external battery pack design to disappear anytime soon. So he, he what he means by that is like the second generation one in 2025 will still have an external battery pack. Like this constraint is going to be here for a while. It's not going to be like, oh, suddenly the second generation, they can suddenly fit all the battery inside the actual headset itself. Because they could make a bigger headset, a bigger, bulkier, heavier headset that puts the battery in, like the the you know the the band at the back or something. But they they've gone for an approach of making the actual headset as light as they can to be ergonomic and just have the battery pack separately. And mm-hmm. um, I do have a question about if they are going to let you interchange between multiple packs. Like, does the headset turn off when you swap them out, or does it have like an ability to stay alive for a very like, like a brief little bit of, time? of battery on board? Yeah, a little bit because it'd be kind of kind of a terrible experience if you're like in the middle of I don't know playing a game and then the battery runs low and to swap it out you then have to turn the whole headset off and back on again. Yeah. Uh, maybe there's like a hibernation sleep mode or something that they can just survive for a couple of minutes. Um, but who knows about that? Uh, clearly, evidently, you know this is just another compromise of the product. You're getting about two hours on one external battery pack. Uh, the battery pack itself has a USB-C port on it, so you can charge the battery pack like that. And German says the headset uh, has two ports. So one port is the power cable for the for the external pack, and then the other port is a USB C port for data transfer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of on the same vein of this being like an iPad on your face, <laughs> here's a dedicated port for you to you know transfer files across, maybe transfer video, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and then you have a separate port for power. Mm-hmm. Um, which they might call a MagSafe port, but it's not the same, you know, it's not the exact same mechanism as MagSafe on the laptops because it's got this rotational aspect to it. Sure, sure. Yeah, or, or the phone for that matter. <laughs> or the phone for that matter. Yeah. And it wasn't clear to me whether the USB-C port can give power. Like, so maybe if you're like, maybe an alternative to the two-hour battery life thing is if you're like sitting at a desk, you could maybe have the USB-C port plugged into the wall and charge that way, like, you know, live power. Um, Gurman didn't specifically mention that, but maybe that's a possibility. Yeah, I, I've used AirPods Max, you know, the the big ones, um, wired wired in before, like when when they were dead. But I want to use them immediately, and I also want them to charge fully, and not just like do the the fifteen minute charge. Uh, and it, that reminded me of what this could be like if you're using something on your head with a cable attached to it, going to a power source. Um, so yeah, I could see that, and, and I mean, with with everything that that's MagSafe is now also another way of charging so iphones have max safe and they charge with the port max have max safe but they can also charge with USB C uh, as well so makes sense and yeah like when those i when the rumors about the max safe you know wireless charging ipad was coming out mm-hmm. that would have had you know wireless charging plus still have a USB C port yep. so everything but the watch kind of which they don't call max safe so yeah there you go there you go yeah do you think that the headset you know we expect it to be uh, unveiled at, at at some you know some some level at the uh, keynote for WWDC. We we did get pricing for the Apple Watch whenever they first unveiled that, but we did see like all the hardware and everything. So um, did they give did they give um, a base price at the original Apple Watch? I think they did, right? Uh, Didn't they say from three fifty? Am I am I making? They that might up? have said that, but I don't think it was like I remember there being some confusion about whether the stainless steel would cost more or less than the sport yes. model because the ion x glass was like oh maybe that's you know more durable <laughs> than yeah the which steel. was always ridiculous it was obviously yeah like, i remember being firmly in the know that the 350 is the sport the sport one yeah uh, yeah you're paying more for the for the fancier material that sounds right yeah so maybe yeah, they yeah, did yeah. give pricing but you know with the watch yeah they, was... they I, I'm, I it's coming back to me now so the september event they obviously previewed the watch and the feature and stuff and they said it starts from 350 mm-hmm. because that's why for the next five months there was some speculation about how much the gold one was going to cost right yeah so when april came around which was the spring event where they previewed it that's when they finally gave you the pricing of the gold watch yeah uh, but you know over that christmas people were like is it going to be one thousand dollars two thousand three thousand dollars oh it's going to be ten thousand dollars okay here we go you know ten thousand to seventeen thousand seventeen thousand was not the bigger version either. It was the smaller version, but the band had more gold in it, so it cost more. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, so headset headset wise, we'll see. Obviously, the software because it's WWDC and they want to show you what you are developing for this year. Um, you think we'll get like a full on 
headset demonstration and and like hardware wise and pricing details and a promise of coming you know, next year. I think this they year. have to, right? Like, I think you at least get the equivalent of the September Apple Watch event. Sure. Like, um, because like, what can you? You can't really show off the OS without showing off the hardware at the same time, really, right? Like, so if you're gonna, if you, if this whole point of this of them announcing it now is so they can start getting developers making stuff, they kind of have to show off the thing. And there's no real benefit to hiding the hardware either. Like you. You kind of people generally know what it looks like, right? Like, yeah. I mean, at this point, we know almost every spec about the thing. Like, it, 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 it's just how uh, it all comes together. the The OS is more the secret at this point, right? right. Like, we kind of know the spec sheet in a, in most regards. It will have a digital crown. Mm-hmm. It will have some sort of sort of band, right, to like fit on your face. And uh, you know, there's been some pretty good mock-ups that like inspired by the airpods max you know headphones for the band yeah even like the yeah, shape yeah. of the headset and, and you know based on the ear cups and all so yeah, yeah two 4k displays one for each eye yeah more, um, more than i have be yeah. I OLED, have. they're gonna be oled micro or something whatever the branding is from sony yeah. uh m2 cpu equivalent inside and probably a separate chip for image processing, uh, about a dozen camera and sensors, you know, hand and eye tracking. We kind of know the the gist of it. It's the the actual body of the things made out of carbon fiber. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason why it's so expensive because it's a pretty premium material, carbon fiber and glass. Um, so you know, obviously the exact design we don't know, but we will see it and be like, oh, that looks nice, mm-hmm. you know, or that looks stupid. Yeah. Uh, that'll be that'll be the initial impression. But the the thing that matters is the what can you do with it right in the software experience right, that's where yeah. they've got to impress and so yeah i guess the keynote will be like i mean we've we've heard like um the on the uh, you know ios mac os watch side it's going to be a less feature year like there's still going to be some new stuff but not you know that's not the focus and so maybe that's like the first hour and then the second you know at least half of 45 minutes is basically headset demos you know yeah why are they doing this what do they think they can contribute because they're going to have to frame like the, the why is this thing three grand you know like they, that's going to be like a little element of it um because i expect they'll probably tell you the price and just say it's coming later in the year mm-hmm. that'd be my guess and then maybe there's some sort of like developer, developer kit? yeah yeah, yeah. I, you could maybe simulate it through like a la- just like a laptop for only a thousand dollars. You can get the developer kit, and then you turn it. In or back, they might say you can stuff. like use a I don't know HTC something or other like as a stand-in uh, or something like that. yeah, like like some weird like you know concoction of like you plug a HTC Vive headset into the laptop, and then the laptop renders through the phone or something. I feel like at this point yeah. they want to not acknowledge that any other headset exists, but theirs. They're certainly not going to acknowledge the mayor headsets, yeah. 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 But yeah, there'll be maybe there'll be some developer here, or they'll just say, you know, you're not getting a developer <laughs> until <laughs> later in the year. You can just, because you can make a lot of the, the product is the developer kit. It's three grand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah get your money out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For a lot of these, obviously, it's not the same as having actual hardware, but, you know, the iPad, for instance, the iPad launched without a developer kit right like the apple watch launched without a developer kit some select developers got hands-on time but most people were just running it blind with a software simulator and then they adapted as soon as the thing shipped when it actually launched you just go Um, you go to cupertino and you go across the street from apple park to the developer center the physical one yeah yeah i'm sure they'll have hands-on and testing ground in the labs and stuff like that yeah Yeah, that's the same when the developer center opened it was they they used intel imax not apple silicon imax as on like on opening day, which was WWDC last year, so the iMac 24 inch had been out for a while, and the 27 inch iMac was officially discontinued. Yet the the app the Apple Developer Center opened with 27 inch Intel iMacs. I wonder if that's changed this year or any time since then. Or maybe they're still waiting for the <laughs> maybe they're all the M3 Apple Silicon. IMac. Yeah, maybe maybe they downgraded to 24 inch displays, and maybe they have pseudo displays now and Mac Minis. I don't know. I'm curious. <laughs> But yeah, that that's where you go to get the demonstration. If you, you make the you make the pilgrimage to to Cupertino and then you go and schedule an appointment with the developer center and play around with your apps. But I, I yeah, this probably be a, a demo heavy keynote too. Like we used to have for iPhones, not not as bad lately. Like in the, especially during the the produced video keynotes, um, 
but there was a oh you mean like the table demos the table demos yeah yeah but there certainly was like like it, for the early iphones like there was a lot of, it was just a lot of demos because like what was there to say um and then in like the 2018 19 years it was heavy on ar like here's a blank table look what we're doing with our phones and ipads so pro- probably see that with yeah and i feel like the last like two or three years they stopped doing that partly because obviously it's all been pre-recorded and also i think they were like our headset shipping soon so we don't need to bother like you're saving doing these yeah yeah we're saving it up like we don't need to do some lego demo on a blank table because we're going to impress very soon if you see what i mean yeah i mean ar kit upgrades were like the highlight for tim cook each year and then the <laughs> last two they haven't really i mean they changed the number but there haven't been major changes in the way that yeah they've been you know technical improvements and like api improvements but they were not enough to get main keynote time yep yeah all right cool Happy Hour This Week is brought to you by Headspace. The last few years have been a wild ride of emotions, stress and tension and that makes protecting and caring for your mental health more critical than ever. Mental health plays a key role in our overall state of well-being. It's directly linked to fatigue, stress, sleep problems and more and that translates into how you live and your general mood which can impact on your relationships and all parts of your life headspace helps improve mental health through guided meditations breathing and calming exercises and mindfulness i've tried it out it's great it's really simple to use you just download the app and it presents you with a library of sessions to choose from they have long-running courses to follow or if you only have a few minutes they have short programs designed to be done on the go in a quick burst and that's what i like the most short bursts of mental refreshment to get you in the right headspace Headspace has the world's largest library of content with over a thousand hours of clinically proven mental health exercises. They have a wide range of teachers from diverse backgrounds and different areas of expertise. And in the app, they have this like today tab, which gives you a schedule of sessions to do, uh, say in the morning, at midday and at nighttime. And you can also drill down into a particular topic. For instance, I picked that I wanted to try and be more active. And so the app recommended an array of sessions that are tuned just to that, including workouts and even mental coaching sessions hosted by Olympic athletes. It's all really well made and well designed and headspace has helped me and more than 100 million people worldwide and they can help you too listen up you don't want to miss this we've arranged something special for a limited time all of you can try headspace free for 30 days by going to headspace.com slash happy hour 30 you won't find this offer anywhere else you must use the link headspace.com slash happy hour 30 to unlock all of headspace free for 30 days this is not something they normally do so go now to headspace.com slash happy hour 30 thanks to headspace for sponsoring the show this is a fun story in the find my code on ios there are now references to unreleased macs so we we found macs in the find my app right like that's basically (laughs) what's happened here yeah um unintended macs left behind if you want to carry on using the find my pun sure Uh, so three unreleased macs uh module identifiers found in a configuration file for the find my network Uh, that is mac 14 comma 8 mac 14 comma 13 and mac 14 comma 14 it's hard to know for sure which computers they refer to. 8-inch Mac, 14-inch Mac, 13-inch Mac. <laughs> Got it. But only desktop Macs are listed in this file since they're the only ones that are not compatible with Find My's Left so Behind feature. This is a do not, like, do not... Do not show do these not options show for. Find, Do not show Find My. Yeah. Right, okay. D- gotcha. Don't notify when Left Behind because they're not supported. Gotcha, okay. Um, so that's iMac, Mac Studio, Mac Pro... Mac Mini? Yeah, okay. Mm. Mac Pro? Mac, and Mac, we've Mac already Studio. heard that an M3 or an M2 Pro, uh, sorry, an M3 Mac Mini is in the works. We've heard an M3 MacBook Air is in the works, as well as the M2 15-inch. We've obviously got the Mac Pro that is coming for another day, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. as you uh, wrote up this week. That was over 400 days ago. As of today, uh-huh. as of today, it's, uh, what is it today? April 27th. Thursday, April 27th. Uh, it's been 415 days. And Ooh. WWDC is in 39 days. So will all the MacBook be that, for that day? That was, said, that was a line said at the spring event when they announced the Mac Studio. Over right? a year ago, yes. Over a year ago, yeah. 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 And when they and it was um, John Turner who said it. Uh-huh. And when he said it, it was like, oh, another day? That must be WWC in June. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay, a couple of months and then we'll see it. By, by December. 
Yeah, and then it literally came and went with nothing. Yeah, which um, we we believe. I mean, I guess our understanding is that it's because of the the big shift from we want this to be like this super high spec thing with this like what two ultra chips basically, or, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then instead of that, it's going to be it's with one ultra chip, one, one ultra chip <laughs> with with no studio version of that, I guess. But um, Mark Gurman did have a report this week. I guess Mark Gurman, right? That that was. Talking about, he expects there to be no Mac Pro. Just a mention of this: no Mac Pro at WWDC. So you know, again, another day. We'll just get into the 500s, I guess. I don't know. Uh, and then that the Mac Studio won't be updated until the M3. And, and if you go to M3, not in June, but like later in the year, then presumably you start out with M3 vanilla, and then you go to M3 pro and max and then you get to n3 ultra like maybe you know in a year or from now so yeah i think if you're lucky you you you'll just see the base m3 at the end of the year right like I'm, I'm not sure the, the the pros and the maxes will get updated until 2024 right or even 2025 maybe, yeah you know? so what does that mean for the mac pro <laughs> yeah the mac pros uh m2 design it's got to be announced at in june yeah Really, like they, maybe not released in June, but at least shown. Well, if it looks the same, it's just you know has Apple. Yeah, but they don't even have an M2 Ultra, like no, they don't anywhere, right? Yeah. So they can that be the that be the pitch, even if it looks the same. Be like, look, it's this time's much faster than the Max chip. True. Like they can't not go through another WWC without even mentioning it. Like, come on, it's got to be. It's got to be. It's got to be. Like, it doesn't have to be. Like, obviously, it's not going to be as interesting or as fun as when it was the you know super duper two X Ultra design, and there were rumors that the chassis was going to be minified and made smaller, and now we're expecting it to look basically the same, um, and have an M2 Ultra chip, uh, which is a downer compared to you know the expectation of the rumors, but it's still the highest end Mac in the lineup and it would give performance that no Apple Silicon chip can provide today. So right. they can talk about it for a good, you know, 15 minutes if they want to. And it's a developer crowd. Like, <laughs> I, I think they could easily shove that in there. So even um, without a release, just say something, you know, by this year. Because uh, keynote-wise, I mean, Apple could do anything. And they have released yes. Macs at, like, different points of the year, um, you know, through press releases. Uh, but, you know, and, and Mac Pro could, could do that, especially if it looks the same. But, and um, the 15 inch MacBook Air is supposedly coming in June as well. Yeah, yeah. So you could say they're going to have a lot of stuff. Like, yeah, it's going to be a packed, uh, packed Monday. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, so <laughs> okay. Hopefully they do something with the Mac Pro just so we can check it off the list. Yeah, it's got to be like it. it we're, we're we're almost at the end of the M2 cycle. Like, come on, like at least tease it. You know, yeah. we just need an if ultra. a year ago, if more than a year ago, 415 days ago, they yeah. said it was for another day. Yeah. I feel like we at least deserve a, yeah. yes, here it is, you know, even if it's not coming out to the end of the year. Yeah. 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 So, hmm. 415 days and, count- and counting. So, and counting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If they go through June without even mentioning it, like, wow. I mean, it, the Mac Pro uh, could be a May announcement, right? Or a, before WWC, like, okay. Before WWC, it doesn't have to be on the day. Like, yeah, it doesn't have to be on, can... on, on June fifth. It'll be four hundred fifty-four days. Just, you know who's counting, but that's they they could like, you know, announce it and just say look here it's coming in the third quarter or something. You know, like just get it off the books because maybe maybe the argument is they want all the focus to be on the augmented reality headset, which I could understand. And so maybe they announce the products like the other Mac products. I think know, that the best way to the best way to develop apps for the headset is with the Mac Pro with the M2 Ultra. That'd be another way. That would be another way of doing it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for mm-hmm. the for the 2019 Mac Pro, didn't they? Or maybe that was for the iMac Pro. <laughs> I think it was the iMac. They Pro, used yeah. they used VR development and like Star Wars, mm-hmm. and, and they they did do that was the, a, that was WWDC. Yeah, yeah. They they had that woman on stage who's pretending to be Darth Vader or uh-huh. whatever. Yeah, yeah, like we all do. Yeah. And that was with an HTC Vive, I think, or something, or something like that. I don't know. But, yeah, that'd have been a Vive at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what? What are these Macs on the Find My though? The desktop Macs. What's the summary? Well, there? one of them probably is the Mac Pro. It's okay. Just, it could be in now, even if it's not coming out for another seven months. You know. Okay. Yeah. The others unclear. 
Yeah, maybe a, maybe a Mac Studio M2 that was never actually that was scrapped or shelved because we okay. don't expect that now. But maybe that's what it represents. Like we we don't expect, just based on Mark Herman's reporting, mostly that there, mm-hmm. there to be an iMac 24 inch M2 anything. It seems like they're going to skip the right. two altogether. Okay. Yeah. Um, we don't expect like the Mac Mini just got revved, so would be it, it's 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 M2 now, or you can get an M2 Pro, right? And Correct. Then, yeah. And then. That's the highest M2, I guess, is the... Well, you get M2 Max in the laptops. In the, in the laptop, right. So there's not a high... Yeah. So you, so right now, it was weird with the... Well, it was the case with the Met, with the M1 Ultra. That, like, with the M1, there was no M1 Pro Mac Mini. Yeah. Or, cause, yeah, because there was no desktop M1 Pro. So for the you, M2 could, generation right now, you, the most powerful chip you can get is in a laptop, not a desktop, which is counterintuitive correct yeah yeah okay yeah so that's that's what we need to find my fill in is because yeah that was the case with the m1 generation until they announced the mac studio yeah which had the ultra because mm-hmm. then the the mac studio had a max chip in it or an ultra chip yeah but laptops and are so that's what that's what the mac pro will slot into to provide the ultra chip option yeah yeah, yeah. which maybe is when they were originally going to do the you know 2x ultra situation that then that made it more of a reason for a Mac Studio to exist because that could just have the Ultra and then the Mac Pro would have the Extreme. Maybe one of those model identifiers is just that original plan, you know, yeah. the remnants of that. And now they've like, well, we we're only going to do the Mac Pro this time around, so the other ones aren't real. Yeah, I tell you what, also do at WWDC whether or not they do anything with Mac hardware is iOS 17 and iPad OS 17. So let's get into that. iOS 17, uh, new report from Mark Gurman. This is the episode of Mark Gurman. The Apple journaling app will be a, a thing this year. So that's well, to, to actually correct you. This was the Wall Street Journal. Oh, I'm so sorry. Ah, yeah, take that. <laughs> so, yeah. The Wall Street Journal reported on the journal. Wall Street Journal reported on the journal app. That's great. What is the journaling app? This is like day one. If you're familiar with that, but um, well, I've never actually used more, day one. More. So, do you want to? You used day one before. I I've, think. I've used day one. Yeah, day one is like I mean, it's it's an app that is not your notes app or pages or you know whatever. Um, it's it's an app that you create notebooks in and. Um, you, you write in, you can do templates for, you know, things like filling out, you know, your, your day summary goals, et cetera. You can do, you can even use it for tasks and things that you want to accomplish. Um, it can automatically pull in photos like by the day from your photos app or from social media, like Instagram, for example. Um, and then you can even see things like, you know, where, where, where your location for that day, um, places you traveled. Um, you can see like, I think you can see the weather for that day historically, you can see like steps walked, your like your workout data for that day. So a lot, a lot of things like is capturing as much as it can from what your iPhone knows about you and captures. And then you can write in your own notes, basically for that, like a diary. Exactly, kind of and you can go back and like look at it. You know, the, on this day you had this many entries. You can have streaks of like you've been, made entries for you know two weeks in a row. Um, and then the thing that maybe Apple went down, I don't know, but they they even let you like order um, physical books of your journals. Stuff. cards app cards app yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so this is basically apple's version of that um with all those basic features but they're also going to take advantage of the fact that they're the platform mm-hmm. and so they're going to be able to access data that normal apps can't so the wall street journal reports that the apple journal app will be able to uh, track what you do all day on your phone um so like what apps you open what activities you do what content you you know consume in that day on that phone plus where you go in terms of nearby locations and point of interest and people that you visit. Um, mm. And that will include a, quote, all-day people discovery feature that detects a user's physical proximity to other people and Apple will try and separate um, people that you're meeting that are friends uh, plus friends that you're meeting at work, outside of work and colleagues. So you can kind of get a split, a proxy for a split of how much time you're spending at work and how much time you're spending doing leisure activities. Um, and it will also be able to access text messages and phone call records. So this is something that like a day one app can offer um, because there's no like system API to get access to the phone call log. But in the Apple Journal app, it will be able to show you the phone call log, at least according to the Wall Street Journal report, mm. um, which will no doubt inspire some new rounds of anti-competitive allegations because it's like, well, you know, Apple's in a privileged position here because they can access this data that third-party apps can't. There is a possibility, you know, I'm not saying it's likely, but there's a possibility that when they do announce the journal app, iOS 17 and SDK will include APIs that let third-party apps get access to the same data. Mm -hmm. The Wall Street Journal doesn't say that's going to happen, and I wouldn't say it's 
a guarantee, but it's at least a possibility. Like, if they, there's no reason why Apple couldn't have a privacy dialogue like they do for every, you know, location service and everything else for access to that kind of stuff. Uh, but they haven't done it before. And at least right now, we don't know they're going to do it. But if they wanted to cut off a lot of the anti-competitive arguments, that would be one way to go about it. Uh, the journaling app to me kind of sounds like the same situation as freeform last year mm. where freeform they took um they had an impetus with the forthcoming headset to make you know like a collaborative whiteboard experience and they had a lot of the pieces readily available by taking advantage of all the code and the ui framework and the you know the document model of the iWork apps and so they they glommed them together and they made a real-time collaborative you know infinite canvas app and um, which will which is useful on its own on you know ipad iphone and mac but also clearly has relevancy for you know collaborating in an AR workspace environment. I feel like the journaling situation is kind of similar, where they can take like you know the notes part can just be the notes app, but then they can feed in data that they're already collecting with like screen time and other system services mm. and present it as a kind of you know Apple Diary app that maybe has longer term connections to some of the health health initiatives like the wall street journal says the journal the the, the wall street journal says the journal app will play a role in like um apple's focus on mental health stuff yeah so i kind of feel like that's where it's coming from and it's not like a like apple making a journal app isn't going to be like like they make plenty of other apps on the phone that are less relevant i would say than a journal oh, so totally. if they want to do a journal if they feel like they got the bandwidth for it go for it you know this this seems like a, i mean especially for the ipad where it's like a book form factor in a lot of ways like book book size at least that's where like the iphone's like a really good capture method the 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 ipad's you know a, a form factor for like at least like reviewing it and reading it and everything um but but it it feels like there's something they they could have done all along um same thing with freeform you know really it's like especially since like zoom has existed then then that should have been something that they had all along and maybe that was like part of the inspiration but um for for the journaling thing uh i you know it makes perfect sense that they i i felt like they should have done this before and and the idea of having a separate place for you know journaling on iOS iPad and Mac then notes feels like something that they should address because you can have so many things in notes um that you would not really maybe feel comfortable having your your journal in. I mean, you can journal with notes. You can have a folder. You can um, password protect your notes in, in that folder. But having a separate app that that ties all this in it seems like it'll be really nice. Like in terms of, it's not just another place to type in things, but it's a place that you don't have to do very much at all, and you get all this information collected if you want to do that. Um, and then you know the I guess the value there will be like looking at you know if it can do things like trends over time, like you know look at your look at your journal app and not just your health app. And like, you see, you know, maybe you, you put in like a happiness indicator, like your mood or something, you know, and you see what your activity was like, what your sleep activity was like. Um, you know, if you were, if you were more social then or, or less social, then like all those things can be helpful for me. Um, I'm at a point right now and like everything goes in cycles, especially for me with like how I'm using my devices, but like, I've just got like minimal, personal information like captured and just like stored if, if it's something that i've that i've got like a purpose for um i think this would be very useful and like it can give you a reason to, to be more into capturing data because it gives you a reason like to look back at it uh but i'm also like i've used day one in the past and then i've like decided ah, this is maybe too personal for something i want to be it's even written down i don't know so um I've I've gone back and forth on that. I think this is a really cool idea. I'm not sure I'll use it. Like even for the iPhone feature, significant locations, I had that turned off because it just kind of like there's no real threat, there's no real like risk to it for me. But it just feels strange to have this part of my phone in the settings that shows like everywhere I've been, when you know, and also I don't know about you, but I've got that thing turned off, and and that disables features like you know hand washing alerts at home and you know serious suggestion that you should go to starbucks because you always go there at this time you know and for me like the calculation is just that i don't really care about those things and that's what it's for and so i turn it off so i'm not sure if if like how much i would get out of like i think there's probably a lot of value to have and like this is how social you were this is how like you know outgoing you were and this is how you felt this is your mood this is all you know work-life balance measurement set. maybe is yeah. quite interesting which is yeah. challenging for people who work from home you know and and that's also like just makes me like man i 
I think I'd be kind of bummed out by the data that this captures. Is like you, <laughs> you didn't see other people for you know, three months. I don't know. It's kind of sad, but um, all in all, I think it's an interesting way to do it. And it's not. It sounds based on what the journal says that the WSJ Journal that is not just um, you know here's a place that you put in memories and 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 you know speaking of memories, your photo memories like. He's on a place. It's a, it's a one place where you can put all this information that's all like in separate apps now, but it collects it together in a way that maybe lets you see like patterns and habits and things like that. So that, that's pretty cool. I like the idea of it. All in all, it may, yeah, it's kind of repackaging a lot of what Screen Time provides, but in a in not as a feature of like you know device control, you know parental parental control kind of feature into yeah. just like a you know life blog kind of feature and. I think it's a cool idea. Again, I, I don't do diaries or journaling and stuff, um, but there's plenty of people that do. So I don't, I don't think it's the craziest thing for them to attempt at, at least. Do you remember the last time Apple had a feature called Journal? Hmm. It was on iOS. It was on iPad and iPhone. Really? Yeah. It, was... it wasn't that. It wasn't that um, iPhoto thing. It was iPhoto. Was it? Was that what? It, was it called iPhoto Journals? Uh huh. And that was oh, where okay. iPhoto would... journals then were cool. Like that was a cool thing. Yeah, not this ambitious, but in terms of like how much data it had, but it was a really good way to publish photos on the web. Only from your yeah, iPhone. it was like really dynamic layouts of like a, a can, you know, like a photos event that you could have like widgets next to like a calendar widget and like yeah. sticky notes and like lay them out in this grid, and then you could share them on online. Like this was what twenty twelve. It was a long time ago. Yes, it was. Um, yeah. well, and unfortunately. Yeah, it or, fell by the wayside when they did iCloud Photo Library. Like the, well, the photos journal stuff got kind of abandoned. iPhoto but. went away with iOS eight, so this was pre iOS eight, um, and it was at a time where, like, like you said, there, there wasn't iCloud Photo Library, so there wasn't this thinking. You had to to publish these things. I think you had to have the photos at least on your device at the time, and then publish them. And I think like if you didn't have on your device anymore, like maybe they wouldn't they go away, like. If you, you had to have all the photos on your device to make the project, you know, the journal project. And then if you wiped them away, then that would wipe it away from your published. Like, your published stuff was based on what was on your phone still. And, um, and there was no, like, you know, the other person couldn't edit it and it would sync back. It was, like, literally publish and that was it. It was, like, frozen in time. Yeah. So it was... But it was still cool, though. It and was, was really like, pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, like, the I think the, the one of the team members from my movie was involved in this. And... I'll try to find the link for an example because there was like the the iMovie guy had a really good like published version that hopefully is still on the web. I don't know, maybe it's gone now. But I had I did see that. Yeah, I remember. I remember viewing the. I think it's Randy Ubelos. Yeah, he that's right. Yeah, iPhoto Journal. Yeah, yep. it might not be around anymore, but it definitely was at one point. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that it really it, that was the closest they've come to like a digital replacement for the you know photos app, calendar ordering. You know, yeah, that kind of like the project stuff. Um, but then they kind of left it on the cutting room floor and then all the project stuff also got abandoned because they stopped, you know, working with the person that, you know, the company that manufactured and stuff. So kind of a sad end to that stuff. And I do know why, because most people don't bother to make any of it, but right. it was a cool feature at the time. Especially yeah. in the age of social media, privacy concerns and everything is like, I mean, I think, I think it's all in the spirit of iWeb, right? Like your own blogging mm-hmm. from Apple's platform. <laughs> you know, that was with the Mac and that was the closest thing to me for iWeb on, on iOS. Another, another, that was the iLife era that is no longer here. Um, but on the topic of, of you know journaling, focus of mental health, then we go to iPad OS 17 on the iPad. This could be the first time that there's a health app on the iPad, which is weird that it hasn't been there and all along. And this is from Bloomberg. This, this, is, one. Yeah. this one's from Bloomberg. Okay, so they're not the yeah. same. WHJ has a journal. Bloomberg has the health app on the iPad. Um, this, this is interesting. The iPad, or excuse me, the health app on iPhone, HealthKit as a framework, launched with iOS 8. Speaking of iOS 8, um, in 2014, and I don't know if you remember this, like when HealthKit first launched, within like an hour of like iOS 8 releasing, like before it was releasing, there were already apps published that worked with HealthKit. So it would be like, this is just App Tracker. This is you know your um, your your food input app. Like these will have these will work with Apple's Health app. We made developers have made these. Um, it got delayed, right? They they pulled the framework. Yeah, there was like a bug or something, Which right? Which yeah. broke the apps, and like you could, it, they wouldn't let you release the apps anymore. It was like if you had worked hard to make a health app, you know, a health compatible app, 
you couldn't release it then on ios 8 day <laughs> it's like nope yeah and it should be like 8.1 or something yeah it was yeah it was a probably it was like a privacy bug um but i just remember that i was like oh no <laughs> but you know so so that's that's um you get the health app it's a step tracker basically and you can input data as well then there's like scales you know smart smart scales where you can sync your weight and um more, more devices you know after that blood pressure monitors and apple watch all the apple watch stuff obviously yeah. then the apple watch came about which is you know like i think the following spring basically and then mm-hmm. that was like now you've got heart rate data that was like the reason for the health app to exist was this is where you're <laughs> it's for the watch before the watch was was a thing um but yeah and now now you can put your ecg readings and stuff in there and yeah everything else yeah and they have medication tracking and health records yeah health records you can share with your doctor yeah like it's yeah. a there's a it's a pretty deep app in terms trends, of what's actually in there it's it's always trends seems... and highlights yeah because yeah. when it first launched with ios 8 it was kind of like like a settings dashboard to the uh-huh. health kit database like it was very bland and very stale yes um and like you know clinical in its presentation yeah uh, but it's a lot better these days uh, speaking, yeah, speaking, so of, speaking of german by the way german had the report for 95 mac at the time that um was like an early release version of of, of health the health app and it was based on back when Wallet was called Passbook, mm-hmm. and it wasn't, you know, this is your Apple Pay. Like, it changed the wallet for Apple Pay. But before Apple Pay, it was placed for movie passes and plane tickets and that kind of thing, and it was called Passbook. And it was um, very similar user interface where it's like cards. Uh, but but health Passbook, the health app, at least in development, was modeled after after Passbook. And, and, and in Mark's report, it was a really detailed, like, design and everything of Healthbook, just like Passbook. And... Um, you know, all versus rather than having like more, I guess more like the iOS seven minimalized, like less, um, you know, inspired by physical objects design. It, it, it was, it was like that. It was like, instead of having your, your movie pass and your plane ticket, it was, this is your card for, you know, your steps and your card for your, your, your weight. And you'd flip through them like that. Uh, and then it changed to be, like you said, it, it got much more sterile in, in, in feel. Um, and, yeah, and it never launched with that cool, Never lines with the cool, the cool thing. It wasn't called health book, you know. It, but there was like a whole app icon and everything that was like the stacks of your health stats, and it was almost like mm-hmm. like your record. Like um, if you looked at you know like physical paperwork, like medical records, like that. Um, but, yeah, like a file or a binder. Kind yeah, of thing. but yeah. that was obviously like the pre. I mean, it was like iOS seven style and how it was made for iOS eight. But it, I think I think the the inspiration, the motivation was like the pre iOS seven approach. It probably even started under the pre prior regime. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, for, for stall versus versus Zive. So, um, but anyway, health app on the iPad felt long... weird that it wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think part of the reason it hasn't been done before now is that the health app does like end to end encryption stuff. So it's very like it doesn't sync naturally. And you remember for a while, like your phone wouldn't would not even store health records to the cloud. It would only work if you did a device yes. transfer. Yeah. They changed that a few years ago. Now it does actually sync to the cloud in an end-to-end fashion, but it never used to. But that was at least at one point the barrier to it coming to other platforms was basically the database could live on the phone and nowhere else. And then they finally got the database syncing properly so it syncs to the cloud and now they can make a client app for the iPad 2 so you can have a shared database between phone yeah. and tablet. Yeah. Um, and you can imagine, you know, the graph visualization stuff would look way better on a bigger screen. Um, ECG records, you could see nice and big. Like, you can imagine how they're going to do it with a sidebar and then a big canvas with the with the graph that you can scroll through. So, like, it makes a lot of sense. Um, it's just taken a long, long time. But maybe now's the year, um, as as Gurman reported. Yeah, big question mark. What about the Mac? What, what, what? He would have mentioned it, right? <laughs> he would have mentioned it. You would have thought, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, health app on the Mac is worthy of the name Mac OS Mammoth, which is one of those that they haven't used, but they've got trademarks. So <laughs> save, save it for Mammoth, I guess. So not not just being on the iPad, but it seems like there'll, there'll be some more things in the, in the health app this year as well. So what, what are those? Yeah, things? he mentioned that they're going to add like an emotion logger. So kind of like cycle tracking is a feature inside of the health app already for you know menstrual cycles. There'll also be like a version of that for your emotions you can say whether you felt happy or sad or you know how your mood's changing over time and he even said you know longer term they want to do features like you know you 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 speak into the phone and it like automatically detects your mood and stuff like that but it's just going to start with like a basic you know input entry logger they're also working on some sort of like vision tracking functionality so you can track how well your eye you know how your eye health in the app directly is that what the headset and, does is it because and that probably that probably is headset related yeah yeah 
um maybe your headset itself can give you an eye exam <laughs> uh, that'd be funny but maybe it too and then longer 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 term you know maybe 2024 maybe beyond that apple is apparently working on a mental health service that is intended to have um a paid subscription so you have to pay for oh, it but it's yeah. it's powered by artificial intelligence and it's like a german describes it as mental health coaching okay uh, it combines ai and apple watch data to give users suggestions on lifestyle changes that will help improve the overall health and wellness T- tim cook says that like apple's big impact on the world will be will be health you know i think that sounds nice and all and it's like probably true does everything need to be a subscription like does your oh, no. does your big impact on society have to have a monthly subscription you have to, to pay it? for everything like it isn't like apple this is their only business you know like, this can help them you know their, their brand can help their <laughs> and especially if they're not like producing ongoing content for it like if it is ai powered it's like the phone's doing it do i have to pay for that you know like yeah. it's a bit a bit awkward and in fact on that note there's a funny quote in the bloomberg article on this so the feature, the idea is uh, reminiscent to something called Lumi Health, which is a wellness and coaching service that Apple launched in partnership with the Singapore government in 2020, right? Basically the same kind of idea, um, but this was launched as like a trial in, in partnership with the Singapore government. But the big difference, the Singapore-based program pays out monetary awards to users who stayed healthy. <laughs> so they, <laughs> But Apple service, you pay for... <laughs> In the Singapore program, you got incentivized to, you know, yeah. have mental health and wellness because you'd actually make money out of it. But um, the current plan from the Apple side is that it will be its own app that you have to subscribe for and probably be rolled into, you know, Apple One and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you pay for healthcare, you pay for, you know, but well, you don't pay for healthcare because you're in the UK. Okay. Well, we, I mean, you pay for any taxes. Yeah, it's, you don't that's explicitly true. pay for healthcare. That's yeah. true. That's true. But I'd rather not have to pay Apple for it as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I think the distinction that you made, which is that if it's not staffed by humans, which this would be a whole privacy issue as well, you know. Maybe that maybe the report's incomplete and there is like a human element to it. Like you can get like you know, coaching from a person as well as the AI suggestions, maybe, mm-hmm. and that would at least partly more justify an ongoing subscription. Because yeah. there's nothing that um, there's nothing that Apple. Like, what would you subscribe for from Apple that doesn't have that kind of element to it? Like, I guess iCloud storage. Like, music has ongoing licensing fees. Well, TV, I mean, obviously, cloud storage. TV. You need the servers. Cloud storage. You guess. I guess. Yeah. But nothing else really has like a. Oh, we're just charging you monthly for it because we can. Kind of vibe. Right. Like right. all their content services yeah. are producing ongoing content. Apple Care. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Apple Care. I guess. I mean, that's insurance, though. It's like. You know. Yeah. Uh... Helps you pay so if the they did charge for it, and it literally was just like AI recommendations, that would feel kind of stupid. But maybe there's a bigger, maybe there's a bigger uh, story there. What if you had to pay for Siri, like you know, and all the things yeah. they call Siri? <laughs> I mean, ChatGPT, they like you to pay for it because it costs them a fortune to run the models in the cloud. That's true. So yeah. Maybe maybe Siri Plus is impending. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. You know, aside from like that factor of it all. Um, zoom out and the thing with you know having a journaling app that you that you target in part for mental health um, I think is nice having the mental health um, some sort of service in that regard for um, the Apple Watch long term and, and, and the health app on the iPad for that reason I think those are really really good things to, to tackle hopefully they do it well because it has felt in the past like it's, you know even like pre-pandemic that the watch is a good good motivational tool uh, when you're doing well, but it falls flat when you're not. And all of a sudden, the helpful like coaching and cues to, to be more active and everything, you know, even if you're, you know, the, the classic like the streak activity streak, fitness streak doesn't allow for sick days, you know, and the, don't break your streak. You know, it, it seems like the watch has, has falls pretty flat with. How to how to deal with the, the days that are not your best, and that it's mostly there for, you know, you're you're at your base, and it helps you, you know, go higher, but doesn't do a lot for you. You can actually be, you know, a little demotivating if you're below your base. Um, then you're just like, oh my goodness, like go away, you know. So, 
I, I hope that they do these things well. It's, it's a, I think it's a great opportunity for them to tackle and make a difference with that they haven't done yet. And so you know, hopefully they've, they've waited this long because they wanted to do something impactful. And this is that, you know, we'll see. I make, it does make me excited, like more excited for this stuff than say like, um, you know, the weather app will now track like some new metric or something, you know, Mm-hmm. I think this is a bigger impact than, than those can be, as long as you're done well. So, you know, we'll see. What do, you, what do you think? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yep. Cool. All cool. right. Well, you know, like, I guess, what did I say? 35 days until WWDC? Something like that. 39 days? Yeah. So, close. How close? It'll be, it'll, it'll be cool to see if we see any, like, design leaks of, or, you know, design reports of, like, how this stuff will look. I know Parker Ortolani, our former colleague, um, who works on like Verge merch now, he published a really cool. We, we ran the we ran it of like what the diary app could look like, what the journaling app could look like. So give you just stuff to look forward to. Um, but with all of that, that is the Happy Hour podcast for this week. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe or follow. You can listen to the ad free version in Apple Podcasts for five dollars a month or fifty dollars per year, and that helps support Benjamin and I directly. You can uh, also support our sponsors. We appreciate everyone who does that. Thanks for subscribing, for sharing the podcast with your friends. If you have any feedback, you can email Benjamin and I together at happyhour at 9to5mac.com. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Apollo Zach. Benjamin, you're online at... BZMA. And we will be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>